Hello and welcome to Curated Spaces, the podcast that explores the stories behind the spaces reimagining how we stay, work and play. Join me, Molly Cooper, as I sit down with founders, owners and thought leaders to hear about their journey of bringing a space to life. Great spaces shape our lives. They inspire, nurture and connect us. But most importantly, they bring us together to share life's milestones with the people who mean the most to us. So, whether you're a traveller, foodie or design seeker, join us as we celebrate the power of spaces and the brilliant people behind them. Today I'm down in Kent at the beautifully topsy-turvy boys' hall where cosy medieval nooks and fireplaces meet contemporary finishes and a warm welcome from founders Christy and Brad Lomas. And celebrating the best of Kent's incredible local producers is at the heart of this space with a menu full of warm, comforting classics. And I'm so delighted to welcome Christy Lomas to the podcast who brought this beautiful space to life. I can't wait to hear all about it, Christy. Welcome to Creative Spaces. What a fab intro. Thank you for having me. That's hard to butter them up a little bit. (laughs) And it's such a joy to be here at Beautiful Boys Hall. We're here in the pub, is it? Yes. Yeah, we're in the cosy pub. A little wood fire burning behind us. It's feeling very seasonal with the Christmas tree. One of six fires, keeping everybody warm. Toasty warm. And yeah, before we go into all that, of course, I'd love to hear a bit about you and your background and how you've ended up here in this little pocket of Kent. So we've been, Brad and I have both been in hospitality since the very beginning. I feel like it's either in your blood or it's not. Yeah. Um, So I started um, up a couple of bars with a friend in King's Cross uh, back in, well, a long time ago now, 2014. Um, And uh, one was a cafe bar and nightclub called Mm -hmm. Drink Shop and Do. Love that. uh, Which was in a beautiful old Victorian um, Turkish bathhouse. And the other one was a little member's bar called Keystone Crescent. And we ran those. um, for about 10 years yeah uh and then i met brad i'd met brad kind of a bit before that but he Mm -hmm. was um running um the operations for a chain of pubs also based in london Mm -hmm. and then when we decided to do the whole grown-up thing get married have babies i thought right well this is brilliant you know my my business partner was happy to continue on her own Mm -hmm. and i thought right i'm gonna be a mum that just you know lunches and is really organized and needless to say i got very very bored yeah so i started up a property search Mm -hmm. and um i signed up to lots of newsletters started looking around the entire country and we went and visited a few places there was a pub in winchester there was a townhouse in Margate, and then we ended up um, looking at a property on the north coast of Wales, Ooh. which was very similar to this. Um, for one reason or another, that didn't go ahead, and I'd kind of given up. Yeah. Um, and then um, we were sat in bed, opened up a Right Move newsletter, yeah. and I completely took my breath away. The shot, the money shot, what I call the money shot, is the front of the house covered in the wisteria, yeah. and gasped and Brad's there what's wrong and I'm like look at this place it's amazing and uh, he went wow that is amazing and then as I was scrolling through I I thought that cannot be it said it said Ashford I thought that cannot be the Ashford Kent that I'm from and and we came and viewed yeah and um 
And there was a slight glitch. It was supposedly under offer. Ah, but it's not sold until it's, it's not sold until it's and until it's someone signed on the dotted line. Yeah. Um, and so we came and looked around and got on really well with the people that were um, the owners at the time. And I think they really liked our vision. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was that was November 2019. We got the keys. My gosh, so just before COVID hit, which um, I'm sure we'll go into more detail. But for maybe people who haven't been down to Kent or this part of the world, we'll be able to like paint a little picture about where we are in England. Yes. So we are in the heart of the Garden of England, or more importantly now, I think the Wine Garden oh, of England. Lovely. We are in a little pocket, a little hidden gem. Mm-hmm. Uh, fairly central to Ashford, two yep. minutes from the train station. Mm-hmm. And you can get into King's Cross in 38 minutes, which is fabulous. Did it this morning. It's a breeze. A breeze. Yeah. And you can be out on the coast, mm-hmm. several bits of coast, anything from 10 minutes to half an hour, depending on where you want to go. So we're closest to Folkestone, higher than Folkestone. Um, obviously, there's lots going on um, in all of the coastal areas. Mm-hmm. And a really... A lovely um, surrounding villages and um, lots happening, lots popping up in lots of spaces near us. And wine obviously is huge. Yeah. We have so many wineries, right? You know, the uh, Westwell Winery, mm-hmm. um, that's only eight minutes away. There's ones in Braybourne, yeah. which again is only eight minutes away. Yeah. Um, it's just amazing, isn't it? It feels like, I know everywhere feels like it's having a moment, but Kent really just seems to be exploding with all these like local producers. And I feel like there's such an exodus from London during COVID and just all these little clusters of producers and craftsmen, amazing pockets like this. It's just phenomenal. Yeah, which is, it's amazing because I think everyone is fearful for that immediate mm. thought of leaving London Yeah, because you, you've got so much, you know, incredible cuisine. Um, and a lot of curated spaces in London. So many, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of wonderful people. And I think when you are doing the whole, oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave London yeah. and talk about it for quite a long time and you actually make the leap, yeah. you have this, is, is it going to be okay? Yeah. Is, am, am I going to be able to eat properly again? <laughs> am I going to be able to be around lovely people yeah. again? And that was also part of what we had that vision with this space mm. is that those people are out there um, and if we create the right space we'll be able to house them all in one lovely room or five, ten lovely rooms. Which is a lovely segue, it feels like, into the story of this amazing building, Boys Hall itself. And we just spoke about leaving co- leaving London, COVID, sort of accelerating that for so many people. I'd love to hear a bit about your experience quitting life in the big city and moving out here and finding this gorgeous little medieval hall. Yes, yeah, so like I said, it was November 2019 and our children were two years old and two months old. You're actually which, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> we what? were. We were absolutely crazy. It felt bonkers. It was bonkers. I wouldn't actually recommend that to anybody. Um, but when we, uh, very very quickly once we were, once we'd moved in, March 2020, obviously first lockdown. Yeah. And we... No one knew. No one knew what was happening. It felt like this could just go on forever. Oh, yeah. Uh, would we ever see people again? Would we be able to buy things again? Would life ever be the same? And I think for a lot of people, um, obviously that was a very restrictive, lonely time. We were very lucky. I actually look back at that with very fond memories from a personal perspective. Yeah. Because we had that incredible summer. Mm-hmm. 
and we'd now acquired this manor house and we couldn't actually get hold of materials or any help with trades obviously but we then just started outside so the journey began in the garden okay which was very overgrown um and it was eight months of it started off you know kind of diggers and dumpers um and, you know, brambles that were very much honey. I shrunk the kids <laughs> 20 metres long. The biggest bramble, brambles I think I've ever seen. Hopefully will ever see. Yeah. And um, and then once we'd had time outside and things, lockdowns had kind of been and gone. And we were also feeling exceptionally lucky that this wasn't happening a few years previous. And that and we'd fully opened. Mm. And we're having to experience what all the poor hospitality people were also facing you know I wouldn't wanted to have been a restaurateur at that point in time no it actually was such ideal timing weirdly yes you got some time to think and to imagine and to actually live in the house because you lived here before yes turning into the the space it is today didn't you yeah three and a half years which was amazing because you then really understand how how the room work how the rooms work where the light falls um, you understand how the spaces could flow. We then um, had, when when we first bought it, what is now the beautiful big open restaurant. That was a very rusty, very tired 80s conservatory, which once we first bought it, we thought, right, we'll do a quick turnaround of the space mm -hmm. and we'll get open. And maybe we'd envisaged maybe the restaurant will be in the front of the house. And we'd sort of thought we're not going to have time or the money to be able to kind of launch into redoing the restaurant, redoing what was the old conservatory. And then as time went on, and then my parents were also heavily involved in the whole project. We couldn't have done it without them. And he, um, being, being a historical builder himself, when he then had started coming around and we'd started doing more building work, he just said, we've got to get rid of that. Nakadog Conservatory. Yeah. It's doing the whole place an injustice. Um, and so I don't think any, had COVID not been there, um, had not happened for us, I don't think we would have gone into the depths that we have created yeah. now today. Well, of course, because once you're up and running, it's like you're trying to fix the car while driving it and everything's on fire. Whereas actually exactly. having that time to lay the foundations to do it how you actually want to do it and not be rushing towards an opening date or a set timeline you've got. You had this gift of time, which although it was very scary at the time, and of course you look back and you know it ended, but at the yeah. time it was a bit like, is this just it like, yeah. for the rest of our lives? And obviously the news yes. was horrific. The scaremongering, honestly. Yeah. yeah. And this became our... Um, yeah, our, our solace. Yeah, I can so imagine. And it's such a special spot. It is, I mean, honestly, I came from the train station. It's what, like five minutes, if that. And you're sort of driving down quite a main road, then into slower sites, smaller road. And then you suddenly turn and there's this like beautiful old horn that's catching the morning sun. And it's all like higgledy-piggledy. And you can just see a herb garden around the back and these incredible big trees around yeah. the front. It's just stunning, but so handy to get to. I couldn't believe it. And then, like you said, you showed me through and we go effortlessly from this really old, I mean, it's dark panelled wood, this matter of like smoky fires. And suddenly on this bright light restaurant, it's like double huge windows which actually come back in the summer you were saying and just so light and airy yeah it's really cleverly done and you're right if you hadn't had the time to take away that conservatory 
it just wouldn't be the same that space would it at all yeah exactly we we knew you can do a certain amount of planning yeah and we did have architects for that space mm. and my dad had built several oak barn structures before yeah and we knew that we wanted lots and lots of blazing to the light in and so the double aspect with the terrace on one side and the courtyard on the other and looking out over the gardens and with the uh, uh the ceiling aspect as well uh, where it's partially glass but you can never quite get you you never quite know how the light's going to fall mm. how the acoustics will sound um i'm sure real real experts that do this day in day out will be able to know to a t exactly what they're creating yeah but there was a bit of you know finger in the air oh what about this yeah. do, that? do we think this is gonna work are we all in agreement okay right on to the next thing i can so much but it's turned out so well i honestly wouldn't have known i would i think i said like because i have walked in an old barn that you've converted and the fact it's all new is just absolutely mind-boggling i think it's incredible and then let's talk a bit about the hall itself. It's got quite a cool history, doesn't it? And you were yeah. sort of talking it through earlier. And what what was it dating back to? 1616? Yes. Yeah. So they, the archaeologist that we had over, he was explaining to us, he thinks that the foundations would have been an older property, which was probably going to be a Kentish Weald and Hall house with all, the, with all the wooden beams and the high end and the low end and it would have been... Um, probably what they then extended onto. So the in fact, where we're sat now in the pub, these beams are probably some of the, in fact, this is a perfect, the ceiling is the perfect example of the old Wealdon Hall house. And then Thomas Boys married Margaret Boys, who had an older family seat, quarter of a mile away. And the legend is that that flooded and they brought lots of materials from the house to this house and created Boys Hall in 1616, completed it in 1632. As we know, as we see it now, I have seen a photo the other day from 1847 where the windows were far more Anglican and floor to ceiling. No way. So in about 1850, they they were changed. And we also have a, a beautiful old book, which is a lady in 1860. She's sat in the drawing room and she describes the house really carefully. And she's telling a story of a party that happened in 1790. And she describes the fireplace, she describes the beams, and she says, fresh windows have been inserted. No. And that's in 1860. Oh, my God. Um, and she, she she says about how the railway line is scorning. Um, and she talks about how Vane, the violinist, came and played Cuckold's Old Ori and um, how they had a... a feast in the dining hall and there was dancing in the withdrawing room overhead which I find mind-blowing yeah uh, because that would be the master bedroom yeah um and yeah so there's there's lots and lots of history there was lots of um lots of snippets which I've revolt I've I've um decided to then base the names of the bedrooms mm-hmm. on lots of the bits of information and the stories that I found fascinating um, particularly there's a bedroom uh, which we've called Sovereign which has wonderful citrine coloured walls and that room is above where they found a hoard of gold coins no. in 1970 yeah that's so cool I yeah. literally love it I'm a little bit of a history geek and that's just amazing I guess did that really help them when you were thinking of these bedrooms because we walked around them and each one definitely has a different personality, a real identity. 
how did you go about bringing them to life? Was it basing each one from its nugget and then coming back to that over and over again? Yes, it's hard when it, when you've got a blank canvas. Um, obviously, lots and lots of features. You're also restricted within the grade two listing, and you also want to be sympathetic yeah. to the building because um, you don't buy a building like this and want an entirely modern look. You know, you've got to embrace it, and that's um, that's what we really liked about it. But when you can choose any fabric, any wallpaper, any paint color, that is very mind-boggling oh yeah um and it sounds like a great problem to have but you I then restricted myself to one color chart mm, because you yeah. go in the paint shops and you can you can pick up 20 color charts and then you're faced with I always knew I loved green but I needed kind of 15 greens to choose from not 55 greens yeah. to choose from because that's mind-boggling so uh once I'd got the once throughout COVID as well as doing the garden I got very obsessed with history because lots of lots of us were online. Yeah. Um I got I got contacted and I contacted several of the old owners. Oh, I got passed on history documents. I chatted to the neighbors. Um I had a guy, um a, an old friend, he um is a master of heraldry and there's obviously some heraldry above the fireplaces, so he spent a lot of his covid going down a rabbit warren um of research for me, which was fabulous. And then I found these little stories. Um, they're either names of people or, or little bits and fragments that I could then attach to each bedroom because I didn't want the bedrooms to have a number. No. It didn't feel personal enough. And then once I had found the names off the back of that, I'm like, right, okay, Margaret, for instance, um, I, which was Thomas's wife, and um, the room that we believe probably would have been her bedroom because it has the secret linking door to the master bedroom. Then knowing um, knowing that having her in my head, I then, from living in the house, would think, okay, where, where would Margaret spend her time? Would she have been wandering around the garden? And brought that then into the room as well. Yeah. And the soft greens and the woodland wallpaper. Um, and the um, we've got some lovely Linwood um, floral printed fabric for the curtains. Yes. Yeah. And kind of that's that's the rabbit warren that I went down. Mm -hmm. I love that because obviously you have a building like this with just hundreds of years and has all these layers of stories and history and all those parties that happened in 1860. But it's very hard when you come here today, maybe for just a dinner or just a night to sort of connect with that or, you know, have time to consume it. Whereas actually sort of breathe it and build it into the walls and the rooms and the spaces. Everyone can have a little connection to the Margaret room they stayed in and they might get a little snippet about the history. So I think it's such a clever way to bring it to life in a really natural way. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you can see that because living here as well, we would then manage to figure out how the space would mm -hmm. be used. Yeah. The pub, funnily enough, was actually already a pub. It was really? um a, it was the bar that they'd had. Yeah, this carpet's actually original. Um original to the eighties, but I love it. I love it. And this became our hideout when things were really intense and there was dust everywhere and we were working 20 hours a day and it was absolutely madness this was the one room that we kept coming back to we'd have a few friends the music would get cranked up yeah um there would be dancing there would be probably lots of negronis oh and then we thought well we can't this you know this is this space it yeah. just works um and it's going through into the bar lounge as well each space then naturally, organically found its identity, I guess, because we had time. 
And then the vision came from there. I love that. You didn't just come here and be like, this is what I'm going to do. I've got my architect's plans. Yeah. You were led by the building. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's so special. And looking around here, it's obviously we're in the pub, but throughout the whole hall, there's this really lovely mix of like gorgeous big modern sofas and like gorgeous velvet tones and then really old like here like pub stools literally just there how did you go about finding all these amazing items yeah a lot of time and effort and a lot of shopping which was for a little while a brilliant problem to have yeah um i did lots of shopping at auction Uh and also during covid because everything everyone was online and there was lots for sale. So I kept buying, I kept buying and I just kept thinking, the bigger the better. Because whenever you brought something into this house, it shrank. I can so imagine. <laughs> uh, and then antiques fairs. So many antiques fairs. Uh, I, a lot of things were um, secondhand, re-upholstered, upcycled, recycled. Um, not just because that was the aesthetic that went with the house. Yeah. Uh, also, just I've always I've always done that. Yeah. My family's always done that. We've always been um, in antique shops and hunting down things that are pre-loved, um, where we couldn't or it didn't necessarily fit. We've obviously bought new and got things that were bespoke or bespoke made. And we've also tried to use, so I collaborated on the interiors with Kagu, a local interior design. Um, and the, I've, I've known um, Ben there for quite some time. And we tried to use lots of natural materials as well. So wood, obviously the whole restaurant's made from yeah. wood, but leftover wood. He then made, bespoke made a couple of the coffee tables oh, that are leftover yeah. trees from making the restaurant. And they're topped with, one's topped with marble um, that was from a a local stonemasons. And there's lots of things perhaps that are made out of um, willow. So the, um, we've got the uh, large willow pendants in the restaurant. And we've tried to do, I'd say about 80% is probably antique or pre-loved. Yeah. And probably about 20% of what we've got is, is brand new. Yeah, and I really love that. Like you say, this building, you can't create or make that sort of warmth and sense of place and soul that comes with old buildings. And this is exactly the same with furniture. If you just buy a load of new stuff, you just can't get that sort of collected, curated sensation that you get so well here. Aged leather, you can only buy that. Like you know when a chair's been sat Mm. in 500 times. Yeah. And you can just have it resprung. Yeah, there you go. Andy, helpful mm. tips there for everyone <laughs> listening in. And it's also so sustainable as well and this like push away from fast fashion and fast, fast furniture, even worse. Yes. We're still actually, we're, there's quite a few things that we've done thus far to be as sustainable as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said earlier, the biomass boiler was one, uh, making a decision to go induction with the kitchen, yeah. the way that the menu is done to try and have as little waste as possible. And working with, um, obviously, the local suppliers and trying to do the zero, we're trying to get to zero plastics. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's there's nothing particularly single use, especially not in any of the bedrooms. Yeah. Um, in fact, Pellegrims uh, is the, is the um, 
toiletries that we use in the bathrooms and they have zero plastics and they're all refillable and they are made using the waste uh, grape seeds and skins from the nearby vineyard of Westwell. No way. Which is wonderful and they smell delicious and they are dreamy so if you go into the toilets make sure you use the hand cream. Oh I already did and can confirm smells delicious, delicious. as does the whole place here. I think you said you have your winter scent at yeah. the moment. So we have our cinnamon and orange winter scent and then when we get to January, we'll get back to our bespoke scent that we had made for us locally uh, in uh, Rye. There's a shop called Hunter Jones and he's done a few scents. And it, when he sent them to me, oh, I thought it was Christmas Day. I had six bottles arrive and I was sniffing them all day. I think everyone thought I was mad. I was so excited. And we settled on rose, tomato and oak wood. Ooh. Yes, that's what you can smell as well. I really love that. It also kind of keys in with like the oaky fires, yeah. the gardens, the veggie patches and herbs. And yeah. Yeah, oh, so clever. <laughs> God, I love it. And let's talk about the food then, because I, I know that's such a huge part of what you do here. And we yes. already spoke about Garden of England on your doorstep. So who was who was bringing that together? Was this you or was this more Brad's thing? So we always knew that we wanted to have a restaurant here. Mm -hmm. And Brad has always been a, a crazy, crazy fanatic of food. He's always cooking or was always cooking uh, in his spare time, which he doesn't have any spare time now. But he was always obsessive over fire cooking mm. and he would always be big on flavour. And uh, we've traveled, we've been lucky enough to go around a lot of restaurants and be really, really inspired. And I think when when he then he designed the kitchen here and really led the way on yeah. what we wanted. And so fire is a big thing. We have that uh, she's called Jolene. 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 It's the first thing they light Jolene the minute they get in in the morning. Um, and so a lot of the food is cooked over fire. Yeah. Um, and from a when Brad was designing the kitchen, also from a we've we've tried to make as many sustainable decisions as we can. So mm -hmm. it's fully induction, other than Jolene. So a lot of things are charred. Um, fire cooked, flame grilled, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and uh, we have some again, um, not wine garden of England. We are wine garden of England, but because we're the garden of England, we've got so many wonderful uh, producers. Yeah, uh, small local. We've got a guy called Ed. Uh, who does some incredible regenerative farming just up the road. And he supplies us with loads of our fruit and veg. Uh, so a lot of our, we've tried to keep our, all of our produce and ingredients to within sort of 25, 30 miles and kind of going for small independence. So that things can vary, things can change. Um, you know, we've had to manage expectations on that front. We've got lemon sole written on the menu, but if that's not what they managed to catch that day, I'm sorry, but the fish is different today. Um, and the the cuisine's very world inspired. Our head chef, um, Charlie, he is very has a very small small actually, there's about twelve of them, so it's probably not that small, but uh young, passionate team that he's created yeah, and he loves world cuisine. Um, he is big on flavour and um, he likes to work with a lot of colour um, so that there's a lot um, coming to life on a plate. And I think traditionally because of the ingredients, it is British and where possible he will try to swap things out. You know, if, if something would have perhaps 
if an Asian dish might have perhaps had a bit more of an edamame bean, then he might use a pea. Oh, I love that. Where yeah. there would be a translation. Um, and then we have our, um, we'd start off with snacks on the menu, which are designed really to have in any of the spaces and grazing and sharing, as well as our charcuterie board and cheese board. And then we have probably about uh, six, I think six starters, um, six starters, about six mains. Then we've got a section from the grill, a load of sides. And it's funny how you see different people in the restaurant. You know, lots of people want to go kind of start a main dessert and look very traditional. And then you might perhaps get a younger crowd in and it'll be a whole... Share some plates, shall we? Exactly. all in the middle and just... Exactly. Yeah, my fave. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we ha also have a set menu, which uh, is a is on uh, usually at a reduced price. So it's more accessible, uh, based around mainly about the lunch times. Yeah. And that is whatever we I, I call it hyper seasonal, hyper local. It's whatever Ed, usually Ed, comes in and says, I've got, you know, X amount of mulberries. I've got X amount of these squash. Yeah. I've probably only got them for two weeks or maybe even one week. Do you want them? And he, you know, this is what you can have them for a week and that's it. So that's that menu. I think that's so amazing. Like obviously everywhere is shifting towards seasonal, but actually being that local and that seasonal is really quite something. Yeah. And I love how it's just like completely spices up what you have one week compared to the next week and you can really eat with the seasons. And actually I think that suits this space so well. As we were saying earlier, well, you were telling me how today it's a crisp autumnal day. The fires are lit. The Christmas decorations are up. It's cozy. It's warm. And then you were saying, but summer comes and everyone's out in the garden, spilling onto the chairs and the tables out there. Yeah, but I think when people come in wintertime, they get cosy vibes all around, mm. all the fires and everything's glowing and all the darker colours inside. And then they come back in the summer and the space, like the sunlight and the warmth and the gardens and the the terraces and everything moves outside. Uh, all the umbrellas are out, all the outdoor cushions. And, you know, it's all Aperol spritz and G&Ts. Yeah. And it was, a, it was magical outside in the summer. Everyone wandering around the lawn, people playing croquet, people playing cub. Um, so it was, an amaz it was amazing to see people use the space in summer and they loved it. It's funny because as you were speaking then, you were talking about people spilling out and having always like this garden party and croquet. It made me feel like, God, it could be 1860 again. And maybe that woman writing the diary entry might be writing another one in the summer and it'd be saying exactly the same thing. It's like a very timeless feel to that. And this building seems to, it doesn't feel stuffy or old at all. It feels very fresh and modern yeah. in a very sort of timeless way. It's a very clever balance you've got there. Good, thank you. Yeah, that was the plan. Um, because hospitality, mm. if it's in your blood, you like making people happy. Yeah, you yeah. like giving them the warm, fuzzy feels. Mm -hmm. And we wanted it to feel home from home, Yeah, but considered. Mm -hmm. So we were looking to create a modern country vibe that's sympathetic to the building because you have to be and because we want to be. Yeah. Because there's some beautiful features that have been here for 400 odd years. Yeah. And at the time, and also I think, um, just making it comfortable, making it cozy, something that's timeless, hopefully. Also, you've just got to go with what you really like when yeah. there's so much choice out there. 
And if I if there, I was choosing something or if some when I was collaborating with Kagu on the interiors, you're you've got to go for your gut feeling mm. of what you really enjoy yeah. and what sings to you. Because if you like it, then chances are other people will like it. Yeah, definitely. And then even if anyone else likes it, at least you do. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I'm sure everyone who comes here loves it. I know that I do. <laughs> and then, okay, so talk, we brought it to life. It's up and running. I can't believe it's only been a year since you opened, by the way. I, find I that know. Mind boggling. I'd love to know a bit about what the next chapter looks like and if you've got anything coming up or something in the pipeline for the next month, years. So we have some, well, first of all, actually, a holiday, please. <laughs> That's what I'd like first. A work-life balance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not deluded. That's not going to happen. But just one one little holiday. No, one long oh. little holiday. Um, we have some uh, cabins in the pipeline. Mm. And we have, it's not a particularly large site. We've got three acres. And we have an acre around a little pond, which I would love to be able to make it a natural swimming pond. Oh, yeah. That would be my ultimate um, dream. That. And I, we, then we're going to have some um, cabins, luxury cabins around the pond. And then we have a beautiful, well, it will be beautiful. It's not right now. An old walled garden where the walls need quite a lot of TLC. And then we would love to have, it gets the sun from dawn until dusk. Evan. And obviously with a walled garden, you're very sheltered. Yeah. So, you know, pizzas, fire pits, Gin bar, I love outdoor it. cooking, you know, wired away the hours yes. in the sun. Oh, that's that literally sounds like heaven. That's the plan. Oh, I want to come and stay K here. I want to be in the walled garden gin bar. Well, now you know we're so close. Thirty seven minutes. I still can't get over it. Oh, well, it's been such a pleasure chatting here about this incredible space. Before we do go, I of course have a closing tradition. I'm going to ask you three questions. You imagine you've cashed that winning lottery check and just let me know what space comes to mind for you. So number one, um, as we were just saying then, where are you running away to to disconnect and to detox? So I visited a friend a long time ago, years ago, and I've always dreamt about going back. And she was staying in a, a tree house up in the jungle in uh, on an island just off of Panama. What? And we woke up every morning and you could hear the monkeys. In fact, it was the monkeys that woke you up. And wow. we just used to... And actually, it was also a chocolate and butterfly farm. Do they go together? Apparently so. And it was possibly one of the most tranquil spaces that I've ever been in my life. Gosh, that sounds amazing. That's um, where I'd head back to. Unsurprisingly, no one has said that one yet. So I love it. Okay, slightly different. I feel like you might have some experience in this. Your ultimate birthday party, where are you hosting it? <laughs> um, I don't really know if I should tell this story, but I... Uh, right before we opened, it was uh, Brad's birthday. Well, not right before, before we'd done major renovation. <laughs> and I said to Brad, we're never going to have a manor house at our disposal ever again. Let's put on a rave for our closest 30 dog. So we got one of our favourite DJs and we invited our closest 30 mates and we had a huge party, huge house party. Everyone stayed over and it was incredible. Yeah. So I think I would do, I'm definitely, we, we are hosts at our heart and we love having a good time. We love yeah. sharing that time. So I think I would do that, but on another epic scale, 
hire a house somewhere because I cannot run the risk of trashing this one. No, <laughs> it's too pretty now. Yeah. Um, so I think a DJ, a load of friends, an incredible house, maybe on the hilltop in South Africa or somewhere like Whoa. that. Well, you've also got wine region. Yes. So. Oh, from one garden of England to another. To another, uh, wine exactly. garden. Love that. Excellent answer. And then finally, once in a lifetime, that bucket list trip, where are you heading? Are you staying anywhere special? So we both feel most calm at sea, mm-hmm. but boats are bloody expensive. I know, I know. Uh, so I really do think if money was no object, I would hire, I'm, I don't need an obscene boat, um, but something that would get us and the kids round tropical islands and carry on sailing and just experiencing the world, you know, when um, when I, in fact, the San Blas Islands I have done, I was only there for a few. There's 376 uninhabited islands between Panama and Mexico with an incredible tribe on some of them called the Cunayala. Wow. And I just think if I, if we could get the kids and a boat that we knew was actually going to see us through from one side to the other, um, you know, climbing trees, grabbing coconuts, talking to the locals, oh, and be diving off the boat and fishing, and wow, that would be that would be the dream. I love it. Are we talking sailboat vibes or below deck vibes? Oh, I mean, it's money is of no object. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a uh, bit of both, maybe. Yeah. Love it. Have all the boats you want. <laughs> Have two boats. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Let me know where you go, and I'm going to come along. Yeah, yeah. space for friends. Love it. A catamaran, actually. Oh, yeah. I would love. Yeah, that would be fun. And maybe just with one crewman to help, because we're really hands on, and we really like we like activity and action. So I can see us. We'd be there. Mm. We'd be sailing. But if we might just need one. Yeah, just in case a storm comes. Exactly. Expert advice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, Christy, thank you so much for chatting with me. It's been such a pleasure. It's so nice to meet you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this Creator Spaces episode. And if you've enjoyed listening, please do hit that follow or subscribe button. It helps so much with finding new brilliant partners who keep the podcast going so that we can keep sharing the stories behind all of these amazing spaces. And if you are looking for more content, you can find links in the show notes to both our Instagram and Substack, or you can subscribe for our weekly roundup of slow travel and under the radar finds. Now go and crack on with booking that next trip and I'll catch you next time for more curated spaces.